Hey everybody, this is Chuck, and welcome to this week's Saturday Stuff You Should Know Selects episode. Uh, this week was my pick, and I picked the episode on the Gila cells, uh, because I think this one had a great mix of uh, history and science. Uh, history episodes are some of my favorites, and we got to tell a little bit of the story of the great Henrietta Lacks. And um, on the science end, we got to kind of delve into the importance of Gila cells. So I hope you enjoy it this time around, if you've heard it before. Give it another listen. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark and Charles W. Chuck Bryant's with me and Jerry's with me. And that means that the three of us all together make it Stuff You Should Know. Hey, man. Hey. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. So, uh, I'm pretty excited about this one, actually. Oh, yeah? It's been a long time coming. We have tons of people email us about this book and uh-huh. this lady, mm-hmm. Henrietta Lacks. So. Right. And her Gila self. Hila. Gila. It's Henrietta Lacks. It's probably Hila. I hear that, but I think it's Gila. Gila's probably the way to go. We'll go. We'll, we'll just do our own thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, this has been like a, a really big fan request over the years. Yeah, but it ties in. We did a show on uh, right. Do you own your? Uh, what do you have a right to privacy after you die? Yeah, and I think that's when we got the most feedback about this. Yeah, for sure. Because it ties in heavily. It definitely ties in heavily. There's a big movement about basically respecting the dead. Yeah. You know whether you're a uh, an ancient mummy sure. or a woman from Baltimore in the who died in the fifties. Like how much of an expectation of privacy and how much of a right to what makes you you do you have after you die? Yeah. And the the plight of Henrietta Lacks um, has definitely raised this national discussion about it. And you know, great, I guess is the sure. only way to put it. Like it's really good that people are talking about this. And it's not just privacy. There's also um, a lot of allegations of racism, profiteering. It's a really morally complicated story, but a pretty interesting one, too. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, this lady has done more to further science than her cells have yeah. than possibly any one person on the planet. Yeah. Jonas Salk, you say? He used HeLa cells. Yeah. <laughs> Is that going to bug you every time I say that? No, it's fine. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I've adjusted my brain so I hear it the way that I want to now. Okay. So go ahead. Great. Uh, what we're talking about are the cells of a woman, an African-American woman named Henrietta Lacks, yep. who in, uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, she was pregnant with her fifth child, and okay. she felt what she described as a knot to her family inside uh, her midsection and after childbirth it was discovered that she had a lump on her cervix and had cervical cancer yeah about um, a year after she gave birth yeah and um the only place that would treat african americans at the time mm-hmm. in that area was johns hopkins in baltimore right which is sad in its own right so uh while she was sick and being treated one of her doctors doctor uh how are you going to pronounce this is it gay or gay Gay. Gay. He wasn't her doctor. He was, he ran the tissue culture lab. Yeah, but he, um, they sent part of her cervix away to a lab to, uh, get tested. And it turns out that it was pretty remarkable in the way that her cells 
divided. Yeah, yeah, you, you got to understand this guy, Doctor Gay. It, it's G E G E Y. I would say gay. Gay. Is that what you were saying? Gee, gay. Gee. It gay. could be gee. <laughs> we're just gonna call him Doctor Gay. Why isn't everyone named Clark? <laughs> right. So easy. Yeah, I'm boring though. Yeah. Um. So Doctor Gay is basically this guy who he, his wife, and an assistant run this tissue culture laboratory at Johns Hopkins. And for literally decades, this man has been trying to find a line of human cells that will continue to reproduce and not just die uh, when placed in culture. Yeah. One day he got a sample of some cells taken from the tumor in Henrietta Lacks's cervix, and he put them in culture, and they started to divide. And they divided again after that. And they divide it again after that. And every 24 hours, the population of soul cells and culture divided, doubled, right? Yeah. And this guy said, holy cow, this is it. Like, this is the first time I've seen a line of immortal human cells. This could advance science forever. Yeah. By this time, I think Henrietta Lacks was dead. Because was it a, a biopsy or was it from her autopsy? Do you know? Uh, it was from the biopsy, but um, she passed away on October... 4th, 1951. Yeah. And I think all of this happened post-mortem. And we should, like, I don't in any way want to diminish what happened in between the time of her biopsy and the time Dr. Gay's, like, Eureka. Like, this woman had, um, she she got treatment, um, but, I mean, the treatment at the time was fairly primitive. Apparently, radiation treatment meant that you um, you sewed little radioactive tubes yeah. into the cervix. And left them there. That yeah. was radiation treatment. There was X-ray treatment. She was in a tremendous amount of pain, um, and she she died horribly from this extremely aggressive case of cervical cancer at the time. Um, and and she died, and her family was uh, poverty stricken. Uh, they a lot of them didn't grow up to be very well educated, and by the time this rolled around, uh, the the uh, public awareness of Henrietta Lacks's plight or post-death, um, her family couldn't even afford health care for the most part, which is a great irony of this whole thing. Yeah. So let's let's talk about what, what happened after she died and her um, her cells continued on. Well, he named them, first of all, and it's, it's a common thing to name the cells after the person uh, from which they came. And so a lot, for many years, people thought... They said it was a lady named Helen Lane or Helen Larson. Right, because they're trying to create anonymity. Like, you're trying to protect the donor's identity. And they were actually trying to throw people off by saying they were lying. It was Helen Lane or Helen Larson. Yeah, I don't know about that anonymity. Why would they name them after the person then? I don't know. I think like they're trying to protect their their name, why would they name them after them? I think rather than calling it at the time, the Henrietta Lacks cells... Gila was good enough. Interesting. I would think if you're trying to protect them, you wouldn't call it anything remotely close to that. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, that's what they do now. Okay. Um, so anyway, people didn't really check a lot because it's just no one really cares that much in the medical community. Like, who did these come from? It was really common mm-hmm. at the time and still to take tissue samples and use them without consent. Right. And that's one of the big issues that came about later is... She never knew that her cells were going to be used in this way. Right. Not only did she not know, her family had no idea, too. Yeah, but we should point out it wasn't like against the law or anything, and there was nothing shady going on. 
because it was commonplace. Right. We should also point out that Dr. Gay uh, never sought to profit from these things. No, he would send them off to people for free. Um, you have to buy them now, of course. Right. Uh, and they're all different kinds of strains that range in prices from 250 bucks to like thousands of dollars right. per sample. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about that in a little while. And like you can get online and buy them. Yeah, right. I went today and I added some to the cart, and then I was like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? That cart was like, Bryant? Yeah. I just was curious of how easy it would be, and I don't know if there was a something later on in that process that I would have to fill out or something, mm-hmm. but I added it to the cart. Uh, no, I don't think you have to fill anything out to get human culture. Really? Yeah. You don't have to prove that you're like... A researcher of some kind? I don't think so, no, as long as it's not like um, a biohazard, I think. Interesting. And I know some places that charge different prices for uh, nonprofits as well, for the yeah, EIS sales. But it's not that much of a discount. Like I saw somewhere it'd be like maybe you or I would pay 250 bucks, but if we had if we were a 501c3, yeah. we'd pay like 190 That's not bad. 60 bucks. Yeah, I just thought it'd be more. Okay. Uh, all right, so let's talk a little bit about why, well, first of all, we don't really know for sure why her cells were so unique. Okay, so they think they might have figured it out. I saw that in Nature. Yes. I didn't, I, I don't know. I don't know if I thought that was solid. You didn't buy it? Well, I don't think they even went on record saying it's super solid. It's just a theory. So I, from from what I understand, the um, what's her name, Rebecca Skloot? Yeah, she's who wrote the book. The immortal Henrietta Lacks. Yes, which is being optioned by Oprah Yeah, for HBO. Yeah, that'll be a good one. For a movie. Yeah, should be. Um, so she apparently buys it and, and because she was saying that for many, many years after the book came out, well, for a couple of years after the book came out, because it came out in 2010, yeah. and this explanation came out this year, um, th- that they had to tell people on book tour, like, we have no idea why her cells kept growing and growing, and now we have a better understanding. But... The, the explanation Chuck and I are referring to, everybody. Um, so you get cervical cancer from the human papillomavirus. There's two L's, so it's B-O, right? Okay. Uh, HPV. And um, apparently... Which is very common, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Um, but that's what cervical cancer comes from, for what I understand, right? Yes. Okay. So the HPV in Henrietta Lacks had insinuated its own genetic material into her DNA right above a gene called Mike, M-Y-C. Yeah. And this gene, it's a regulatory gene, so when it starts to, when its expression starts to get haywire, it can lead to cancer. So they think that the placement of this HPV is what causes these cells to grow and divide so quickly. Yeah. And so robustly. Because... These HeLa cells are an immortal line of cells. When you put them in the right conditions, you take one cell, it will keep dividing indefinitely. Yeah. And we should probably talk about why that's a big thing, why other people's cells don't normally do that. So before we move on, I think it's a good time for a message break. Hey, now we're back. Should we get into apoptosis? Yeah. Apoptosis or cellular suicide is, uh, or programmed cell death. Take your by, pick. Yeah, many names. So from what I understand, Chuck, programmed cell death is like this whole general idea that a cell self-destructs, but there's different ways and apoptosis is one of them. Okay. 
Um, basically, when a cell is no longer needed, it commits cellular suicide. Um, it's not abnormal or scary. Um, healthy adults, we have billions of cells dying in our bone matter and intestines every hour. Yeah, and then your white blood cells come along, absorb all the detritus, and uh, move you move this this stuff out through your sweat. Yeah, it basically balances cell division out. Um, tissue would grow or shrink if it wasn't for apoptosis. So it's a good thing. Right. Um, apparently, we have webbed fingers yeah. as we develop in the womb, right? And thanks to apoptosis, these cells degrade and your fingers go back to, to non-webby versions of themselves. <laughs> well, they don't go back to. Or go to. Yeah. Basically, all the cells all the cells die in between your fingers. Right. And you don't look like a man from Atlantis. Right. And this is also, like you said, I think a check on cancerous growth because cancer is, well, a tumor is a cluster of cells that are growing out of control. One of the conditions of life is controlled growth. Yeah. Cancer is uncontrolled growth. One way to keep that in check is to have cells have a lifespan. And they typically do. In the, a healthy person, the cells divide um, f- between 40 and 60 times. And then they die. And that's what's called the Hayflick limit. Yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah, and... Do you remember what it was? We've talked about that a few times. Yeah. Well, it's just so fascinating. It is. Uh, so cancerous cells, like we said, don't have the PCD. And hers, thanks to Mike, are just the hardiest they had ever discovered. Yeah. And uh, went on to be used in at least 60,000 cases uh, in medical journals and articles published saw, in medical journals. I saw 76,000. Well, this was probably written three months ago. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, 11,000 patents relate to the use of the HeLa cells. Yep. And they're easy to store. They're easy to ship. They're basically the best cells out there to work with for most kinds of disease, although, and viruses, um, although some doctors say they can be a little too robust. Yeah. And mess things up. So they, these cells are, they're extremely robust. They divide very quickly. They're very hardy. They also apparently are airborne is one one way that they go and contaminate other cultures. They can easily be transferred on clothes or gloves or whatever. So they, to some researchers, they, they basically are like invasive. They're an invasive cell line. Uh, and by the early 70s, they had contaminated so many other cell lines um, that doctors had to figure out a way to identify HeLa cells from other cells. So they said... Well, we'll just call the family. And in, I think, 1973, Daylax, Henrietta's husband, got a phone call that just completely confused him. And this is the first he'd ever heard. This is the first the family found out that these cells, that, that this was going on. The family, this, the family had no idea. Yeah. Uh, but like we said, they weren't highly educated. So when someone calls from Johns Hopkins and says... Your wife is still alive as cells in a lab. They were really confused, and the daughter even thought for a while that they had literally cloned her mom, right? And that versions of the mom were living in London. Like, you know, <laughs> she had no idea what they were talking about, right? So, uh, but not only that, the call apparently was later proven to be very misleading, because they were saying we need to find out if your kids have cancer. So, well, what they wanted was to see if they had the same properties 
is their mom. They wanted they wanted the kids DNA yeah. so they could identify Gila DNA in other cultures because it had become so invasive, right? So they they were basically saying you guys might have cancer, but really what they were after was their genetic material for for DNA typing. That's right. That's extremely misleading. It is. And mean because once the kids went in and got their um blood workups done, Johns Hopkins never called back. So they were just left to wonder what was going on. But I mean, think about it. Let's say somebody calls you and said, hey, um, we think you might have cancer. Come in and do some blood work. You go in and get your blood work done and then they never call you back again. Wouldn't you be worried? I'd get on the phone. Sure. Yeah. So uh, like we said, Chuck, this is a pretty morally complex situation. Um, when the family did finally find out, they also realized that this this their mother's cell line um, was a multi billion dollar cottage industry. Yeah, and they hadn't seen a penny from it. Um, and so medical science kind of said, "Well, ho- hold on, L- let me let us let us explain all the great things that your mother's cells have done." Right. And I mean, there's they've been involved in some pretty spectacular scientific achievements. Yes, uh, like we said, the study of uh, viruses, everything from measles to mumps, um, created vaccines. In fact, curing, creating a vaccine for HPV, yeah. which is what she had. So yeah. they ended up getting a vaccine for that from her cells, which is pretty great. Like you said, Jonas Salk? Yeah, with uh, polio, which has been eradicated here in the West. We should explain how that happens, too. Like um, when you have a live human cell you have an opportunity to do whatever you can to it and simulate what would happen in a normal human body. And with polio, they took the polio virus and injected the, a HeLa cell with the polio virus, and then they injected the HeLa cell with some of Jonas Salk's polio vaccine, and the polio virus was eradicated in that HeLa cell. That's right. Yeah, you just figured out that your vaccine works. They've used it uh, to study tuberculosis, yeah, HIV. We already said HPV, Parkinson's. They've used it uh, a lot in Parkinson's research. And even in the transportation and standardization of just using cells like this, period, because, you know, they were so great and they wanted to use these, they had to figure out a better way to ship them back and forth. And just a lot of the standardization of these procedures are in place now because of Everyone wanted to work with these cells, right? Which is pretty great too. So, okay, Chuck, um, the family finds out about this. They spend basically decades saying, "Like, hey, can somebody fill us in on what's going on here? How are you guys making money off of this? Like, what's the deal?" And we're just being ignored. And finally, Rebecca Skloot gets involved. Yeah, she's a science writer. I don't think we even mentioned that. Yeah, and the author of the immortal Henrietta Lacks, right? Yeah, I think it's The Immortal Life. The Immortal Life of Henrietta yeah. Lacks. Um, and over time, Skloot kind of befriends the family and ends up writing this book and telling the story of, Henri- of Henrietta Lacks and basically just captures the national attention, basically says, this family, you can make a pretty good case, was totally exploited as a whole or by the medical establishment as a whole. And let's talk about this. And that's exactly what happened as a result. Yeah, um, the family did uh, look into getting money from it, but that is pretty much completely off the table because that opens up a can of worms uh, 
that everybody's cells ever used in any experiment would have to be tracked back to their original family members and compensated and the courts have resoundingly said, no, 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 we can't do that. Because no, that'll halt medical research right. as we know it, and we can't do that. There was a, a case in 1980 where this doc, this uh, patient with leukemia um, found out that his doctor had taken uh, cells from a biopsy and created a cell line worth uh, $3 billion. And this case went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, sorry, man. Yeah. Once it's taken from your body, it doesn't belong to you any longer. So a lot of people still don't necessarily agree with, but that's the that's the status quo as it stands. I think everybody's very protective of scientific um, progress. Sure. Especially in, in, in eradicating diseases. As they should be. Uh, however, earlier this year, there was finally some good news for the Lacks family. Uh, the National Institute of Health um, invited two of her descendants to be part of the HeLa Genome Data Access Working Group, which basically now they're a part of the um, the board which considers applications to use her cells. Yeah, because in addition, while this whole thing's going on, this whole national conversation about what should be done with the cell line and um, you know what rights a, a person has to their own cells, th- this European scientific agency cracked and published the uh, Gila genome, which they published Henrietta Lacks's genome. Yeah. F- uh, just op- out there open to the public and it's been proven that you can you can find someone's identity out just from their genome and you can also find out a lot about their descendants. So it was a big deal. This European agency took it down, but now it's been placed behind this um it's it's under like a password lock and key in yeah. this database, so there's access to it. You can get access to it, but you have to apply to that working group. That's right. So now the data access group, um, they apply for permission. They agree not to contact the the family members of Henrietta Lacks. Uh, agree to use them only for biomedical research only, mm-hmm. and um, some of the family members will handle those requests along with. Uh, you know, the other people on the board. It's not like they're the only ones that are left to decide this, of course. Right. And um, like I said, they did ask about paying, and they said, maybe we can think of some other ways for you to make money off this, like patenting a genetic test for cancer based on your mom's cells. But they have not yet come up with any way to make money off of it. So a lot of other people have, like you were saying, you can go online and buy a vial of cells for like 250 bucks or something yeah. like that. There's other ones that um, you can buy that have HeLa cells that are like $10,000. Yeah. And I read this explanation of all that, that if you take one of those $10,000 vials, it has all these other patented processes and proteins and genes and things in yeah. them that that account for that increased amount of money, that increased cost. Uh, and then even the $250 vial, it's like, well, it costs money to produce these things and store them and ship them and all that. Yeah. So the the idea that there's somebody out there that's just making tons of cash off of this is not that. It's much more spread out and it's much less obvious. And um, there's really not that much of a bad guy in this story as much as you want there to be. And even the author of the book is like, there's, there's a lot of like shifting sands in this, and it's not cut and dry and black and white. And you know, at the end of the day, we want biomedical research to keep progressing. 
Yeah, I don't think anyone necessarily is looking for a bad guy as much as they're looking for a good ending for that family. Well, it sounds like they got one. No. I mean, they got an apology. Yeah. There's now endowed um, scholarships and chairs at universities around the country in her name. True. And I think if you use HeLa cells now in a study, you say these cells in this used in the study were donated by Henrietta Lacks. Yeah. I think that was part of the agreement. Yeah. I was talking money, though. You know? Oh, gotcha. <laughs> like, they're still poor and they still don't have medical coverage. Right. Actually, I don't know if that's true today, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, there's also a Henrietta Lacks Foundation, too. There is. Uh, you got anything else? I got nothing else. All right. Well, uh, if you want to learn more about Henrietta Lacks, you should probably go read The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks by Rebecca Skloot. Sure. Go check out the website, foundation, all that stuff. And you can also go on to uh, HowStuffWorks.com and type Henrietta Lacks in the search bar. Since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. All right. I'm going to call this uh, Biodiesel Dad. Um, guys, after listening to 10 Easy Ways to Save Money, I wanted to tell you about my dad's super cool garage biodiesel op. He got into homebrew biodiesel about five years ago and has since developed a very sophisticated setup which can produce a 90-gallon batch of biofuel in three to five days. Uh, the simple rundown is that you uh, filter used vegetable oil, boil off the excess water, add lye and methanol, and filter, filter, filter. Huh. Uh, he regularly gathers the used vegetable oil from various restaurants, in bars around town who are happy to give it to him. Uh, he uses the biodiesel uh, to self-sufficiently fuel my mom's SUV, his sedan, his truck, and his 26-foot fishing boat. Wow. Uh, no engine modification is required and can be mixed at any ratio with normal petroleum diesel. Uh, as far as money savings go, the raw chemicals only end up costing about a dollar per gallon, so I'll let you do the math. Uh, while I'm not recommending that everyone go out and build their own biodiesel plant in their garage... Especially since I'm not sure how legal it is without a permit. <laughs> I was wondering that, too. Uh, I thought you guys would find this interesting, at least. Uh, I started listening to the show in September during the long drive moving to Stanford, where I just started work as a grad student, and I've been a diehard fan ever since. And that is from Ben. Thanks, Ben. And Ben's dad, who I don't know his name, but good on you, sir. That's yeah, awesome. really. That's a pretty cool. French fry machine. <laughs> Uh, well, let's see. If your uh, family members are doing something pretty interesting, we want to hear about it from you. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash you should know. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at discovery.com. And uh, you can join us at our website, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 